Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. We're, we're going to enjoy being together. It's this incredible day. This is the day we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, it's a good day. It's a good day. Hey, if it's your first time here, just really welcome. Glad you chose to join us today and be here because we're going to enjoy uh, some teaching, but we're also going to just enjoy the presence of God here and fellowship and, and being together. You know, life is so much about being together, isn't it? Yes. You know, doing life together. So uh, I want to just encourage you, if you don't know somebody, say hi to somebody and uh, make some plans. If you haven't already made some plans, make some plans to, uh, to um, uh, go out, have dinner together, whatever, after church would be fantastic. Hey, I, uh, in a minute, you're gonna, somebody's going to hand you a little piece of fabric. Well, it's not that little, is it? But I got two fine-looking gentlemen. They're going to do that. Well, they were fine-looking when I picked them. Uh, they're good, still good. Uh, and we're, there you go. I don't want to be too distracted while those are being handed out. Uh, but hang on to them until we have uh, get to the end. I want to take you today, we're in, we're in this series, we're starting this series today that is called Everything Costs Something. Everything Costs Something. How many of you went to a store this week? Yeah. Anybody go, how many of you got something there uh, for free? How many of you, let me rephrase it, how many of you didn't pay for what you took? We have somebody here that'll deal with that. But anyway, how, how many of you didn't, everybody paid for what you took? Because nothing comes for free. And even as we talked today on Easter Sunday, uh, not everything that we exhibit or not everything that we, we enjoy as believers came at a cost. Even if we get it for free, it still costs something. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I know some of you have been commenting about how good I look in the suit. And if you didn't, you can tell me later. Um, but uh, I don't normally wear a suit to church. But I had a new suit and I thought I'd like to wear it on a special day. And, uh, but you know, a few years ago, I, I, the last time I bought an expensive suit, it was just about the time when I got to the point where I could afford to buy an expensive suit, uh, and then I stopped wearing them. You know, so it's still sitting in my closet. But one of the perks, because I bought that suit at a local menswear store, one of the perks was that I got put on the VIP list. How many of you like being on a VIP list? Yeah. Come on, wave at me. Come on, help me out. You like being on a VIP list. I like being on a VIP list. And so what happened as a result of that VIP list is I got to go to a special not open to the public sale right after Christmas. So, of course, I went. And I found this, well, let me, you know, let me just say, I, I found this beautiful pair of black and white silk pants for those of you that are uh, from the UK, trousers. And, uh, and I got this beautiful pair of pants. But of course, as you realize, it's a sale, so there's limited sizes, so the size just fit. And you, you know what I'm talking about, just fit. So it's silk, really nice pants, and I love them, and I'm, and, you know, I'm wearing a bit, and then they end up in the closet for a bit. And then finally, about a year later, I go to put them on, and you know, they're, they're still kind of snug-fitting. And it's Sunday morning, and I'm going to, going to church, and I'm all excited because I'm, like, I'm looking sharp. 
like now, and I'm looking sharp. And, uh, and, and before church, I'm kind of mingling around in the back and talking to everybody, and I lean over to talk to one of the kids, and right as I did that, oh, yeah, you know what happened. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Try before church, and, and I got split pants. And, and in that moment, I realized that fabric is important. You know, there's something important about fabric that is in one piece and whole, and then it's not torn, and it's not broken, and it's not ripped, because uh, I, I kind of, right at that moment, I, I just wished I could reverse and rewind a few minutes, because I would have sat a little differently. But it's often really hard to put together fabric, put it back together once it's torn. I want to take you to scripture today because I, I want to talk about, and, and hopefully by now, of all you got a piece of fabric in your hand. If you got it, wave it at me. Did you get it? Okay, just making sure everybody, you've got it, that's great. So now I want to, we want to talk about why that fabric's important. I know that's what you came to church on Easter Sunday to hear about fabric, but stay with me. And we're going to look in just a moment. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to there already. But we're going to look at this in Mark chapter 15, verses 37 to 38. Just a little bit of background. And uh, we're talking today about Jesus. And, of course, we know that Jesus came to earth and he lived on earth, came as a little baby, grew up, lived on earth. And then during the three years that he taught, he wondered, not literally wondered, but he walked around the uh, countryside with a group of followers called his disciples. He had a lot of followers. A lot of people wanted to follow Jesus, but he also made a few enemies. How many of you know you can't be popular without making some enemies? Yeah. How many of you know? Yeah. You know? All right. You can't. And Jesus, not only did he get a lot of fans, but he also got a lot of critics. He had a lot of haters. And uh, in that environment, he uh, eventually, it got pretty serious, and, uh, and his haters... Those that were against him uh, managed to trump up some charges and accused him of a capital crime. In that day, they would have accused him of being treasonous, that he was doing something that was against the government, and he was in treason. In that day, it would have been a capital crime. He would have been uh, eligible. <laughs> I guess eligible isn't really the right word. He would have uh, been, uh, if he's judged guilty, he would have been killed. As a result of that, well... The, uh, his haters, his enemies took him to the government, charged him, and uh, of course we, if you know the story, they couldn't really find anything wrong with him, but in frustration, the government of the day said, forget it, do whatever you want. And Jesus got released to be killed. He dies in a very, very cruel way. He's fastened by nails to two Poles who are, that are crossed together, and it's inserted in the ground, and he's hanging from a cross. Next to him are two criminals. He has a little conversation with them. One of them mocks him. The other one wants to find out what's so important about Jesus. But in that last moment, as it comes right to the end of this segment of time, we find Mark, in the book of Mark, chapter 15, verse 37, Jesus hanging on the cross, says, Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top 
to bottom. Come on, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father, today I ask that you would help and that your word would just uh, do something in our heart. God, that your word would penetrate our heart. God, that we'd experience you through your word and what you want to say to us. Holy Spirit, just have room and place here today in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's something about this story, and there's something about the breath of Jesus. This story, this little segment in the life or the death of Jesus says that he breathed his last breath. He breathed his last breath. In, in uh, the book of John, chapter 19, verse 30, it says it slightly differently, and it says it this way. It says, he, when Jesus had tasted it, he, they gave him some sour wine. When he had tasted it, he said, it's finished. Then he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. It's just a little difference in how that's written and a little different in how John describes it because it's not just like Jesus passively died. He said, I've got no choice. I'm crucified. I'm on the tree. I've got no choice. I'm just, I got to die. In fact, what John is trying to convey to us in this passage is that Jesus was very intentional. Jesus was very decisive. Jesus really, he, he, he handed over his breath as it were. He gave up his breath. I, I don't know if you can do this with me today, but everybody take a deep breath. And then exhale. Keep exhaling. Exhale a little more. A little bit more. A little bit more. Don't breathe in. Let your breath go. Don't. Don't, don't breathe in. Don't, don't breathe in. Don't breathe in. Keep breathing out. Getting uncomfortable yet? Don't 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 breathe in. Don't breathe in. Don't 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 breathe in. Oh, I did it. Can help. It's pr pretty hard to be intentional about releasing your breath. But being intentional is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus did not have to die at that moment. He intentionally released his breath. He intentionally gave his spirit in that moment, in that time. What kind of intention would it take? What kind of decision would it take to say, I'm willing to give up my breath, to give up my spirit, to release that right now in this moment of time? In John chapter 10, verse 18, it says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. This is Jesus talking. He says, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again, for this is what my Father has commanded. Jesus is hanging on that cross, and he chooses in that moment that he is going to give his last breath. Not his second last breath, not, his, not just any breath, but his absolute last breath. Which breath was it? His last breath. In that moment, he gave every life-giving, every, everything that produced life, he gave it in that moment. Completely gave everything in a final action. Your last breath is your final action. As a living, breathing human being, and Jesus on the cross gave his last breath 
There's no breath left. Nothing. So it says that he gave his last breath, and then something else happened. If you go back for a moment to that first verse again that we read, it says that Jesus uttered another loud cry, breathed his last, and the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. What is it about a curtain? What about this curtain? What, what possibly could this mean? So go with me to Exodus chapter 26, verse 31. Exodus chapter 26, verse 31 it's talking about the place, the temple, the tabernacle that God had intended for people to be able to go to. And God said, I'll, I'll, I'll live there. I'll, I'll let the density of my presence be there. We know God is all present all the time. But there's sometimes when his presence is more dense than other times. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's times when his presence is more tangible than at other times. It doesn't take away from the fact that he's everywhere all the time, but there's times when his presence is more tangible. And so God said to the ancient Israelites, let's make a place where I can come and you can count on the fact that in that place, my presence will be very tangible. It'll be very dense. It'll be there. And, and in that place, he, he talks about it in Exodus chapter 26, verse 11 to 33. He says, make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, finely twisted linen with cherubim, woven into it by a skilled worker. Hang it with gold hooks on four pairs of acacia wood, overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtain from the, uh, from the clasps and place the Ark of the Covenant low behind the curtain. And the curtain will, listen to this, the curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. So that curtain was there to separate. It was there to conceal, kind of like pants. <laughs> it, it, it was, that curtain was intentionally put there. I know it's much more holy. It sounds terrible to make a joke like that in the middle of talking about holy. But, but that holy place was separated, covered up by a curtain. And, and that curtain was there to, to keep not only people away from the presence of God, but keep the presence of God away from people. By the time Jesus came, the temple had been built about three times. Solomon in the Old Testament built this beautiful temple, and then it was torn down, and a man by Zerubbabel uh, initiated and led it being built a second time. And by the time Jesus came, a king by the name of King Herod had arranged for this temple to be built. And Jesus, if you read through the New Testament, you'll see a lot of times when Jesus was going through the temple and a lot of things happened at the temple. But you never read anything happening behind the curtain in the temple. In fact, this is one of the few instances in the New Testament narrative that it actually talks about this curtain. And that curtain was there, and it hung in a doorway between, uh, almost like there's a walkway here, and there's this big wall with a walkway, and that curtain hung right between this walkway, over this walkway, before the presence of God. On one side, the priest could come, and on the other side, God lived. And this curtain was there, and it separated people, humanity, from the presence of God. It separated people from the presence of God. There was just this, this barrier, this curtain. And you couldn't go past it. In fact, it, it was a bad thing 
to go past it. It was risky to go past it. In, in those days, the priests would go in. They were allowed to go in. The high priest was allowed to go in there once a year, as long as they'd gone through a particularly rigorous purification process. But even when they went in, they went in and they had bells fastened to their robes so that, and a rope tied to their leg. Because once they got inside of there, nobody could get inside because it was the presence of God and it was very, very holy and you couldn't go in there. And if you went in there, you, you could get killed if you weren't appropriately purified. And so the high priest would go in and, and everybody was a little tense and not sure what would happen. So they'd have bells on his robe and a rope tied to his leg in case when he went inside, he got killed by the presence of God and they couldn't go in to get him. So they had the rope so they'd drag him out. That's how fearful the presence of God was, how holy the presence of God was. So we have this curtain. God's presence, God hasn't changed. His presence is still as holy, but there's this curtain. And so in this story, in this little two verses that we're reading today, we, we see something happening that when Jesus breathed his last breath, then this curtain that was in the tabernacle that was separating the place where God's presence was from the general population, where God's presence was from the rest of the people, even those who were trying to be holy, the priests, still separated. But in the moment that Jesus died, down the road at the temple, not where Jesus was crucified, but in the middle of Jerusalem where the temple was, in that moment when Jesus breathed his last breath, that curtain ripped in two. The curtain didn't just get a tear in it. In fact, the, the writers in the four gospels are pretty, or in the three gospels are, are, are pretty, pretty uh, consistent in saying that it wasn't just a little tear, it was torn from the top to the bottom. It was ripped into two pieces. Right. And suddenly that that separation between the presence of God and those who wanted to be holy, those who wanted to be in the presence of God, suddenly that barrier was ripped in two. It was destroyed. The curtain didn't just have a little tear in it. There wasn't suddenly just a little rip. If you've seen it, sometimes a uh, curtain will get a little tear, kind of a little on an angle, and you can kind of flip it up and look through. It wasn't like that. It was ripped. It was destroyed. It couldn't be put back together. You know, it's interesting to me because a curtain or a cloth like that, if you tear it and it's not yours, you pay for it. I'm not quite sure who owned that curtain but I know who paid for it. Yeah. But, but there's, there's one more thing I want you to see. There's one more thing I, I hope you can get in this. In, uh, have, you ever, have you ever watched a video of somebody doing, you know, karate chop and breaking wood? You ever done it? Come on, have you ever seen that? How many of you have done it? Ooh, all right, I'm going to be real careful now. And uh, you, you take this, and, but you see, they're going like, you know, I'm, I, I can't even really display, you know, 
I don't know what you do. And uh, <laughs> somehow you can, and, and, you know, and I've read, you know, it's, it depends on the speed and all, you know, I have no idea. I don't want to try it. You know, I, I, I actually love the bones of my hand. And uh, I don't want to try it. But, but there's, there's the thing, you know, the, there's the chop and there's the breaking of the wood. But you actually can't separate the two. Like it's, not like, it's not like the chop happens and then the wood breaks. You know what I'm saying? Like the chop and the wood, they happen together. It's simultaneous. And there's this little interesting thing that happens in this passage of Scripture that we read where it says that Jesus breathed his last breath and then the curtain was torn. It's, it's actually a lot of translations. How, how many of you know that the Bible was not written in English? Some of you do. That's good. The Bible was not written in English. So, so we have a translation of it. And a lot of translations, there's a little kind of word in there that, that they didn't need to translate, and, and a lot of them don't. But it's called a, uh, uh, it, it just joins two things together. So they become one sentence rather than two. It's kind of like the word and. And so if you, if you look at this verse, what really is going on here, what you really see is that it says Jesus breathed his last breath and simultaneously connected to it because they were one action together, the curtain ripped. It's like that karate chop. You can, take, you can chop the wood, but if you try to separate the actions, nothing happens. They're intimately connected. Jesus, breathing his last breath, tore the curtain. Let me put it another way. With his last breath, Jesus destroyed the barrier between you and God. With his last breath. What did it cost him? It cost him his last breath. What did we get? Permission, freedom. Come into God's presence like no one in history had ever been able to do before. With his last breath, he destroyed the barrier between you and God. What an incredible thing. Or we could say, well, you know, Jesus died. The curtain of separation between us was destroyed. No, with his last breath. As God not died passively, as Jesus not passively but intentionally gave his last breath, it left from him to the sanctuary curtain and it tore that curtain. With his last breath, Jesus destroyed the last barrier between you and God. Now, Everybody has a piece of fabric. Take it out. Probably going to want both hands with this. See, just because the barrier is down doesn't mean I'm in God's presence. There's a doorway at the back of the auditorium, and it's wide open, but you're on this side, and you have to do something to get to the other side. Even though the door's open, you still have to walk through it. 
And you see, it's exactly the same thing in terms of our relationship with God and our ability to come into God's presence. We have to go into God's presence. We need to take a step through the doorway that is now open for us. See, if we think the door's closed, we won't go through. But what I'm telling you today is that Jesus, with his last breath, destroyed that barrier between you and God. If you'll step through it. If you'll step through it. I'd like you to hold that. Uh, just because I have my mic, it's a little bit hard. But it, I'd like you just to hold that. And I want you just for a moment to think about your relationship with God. I want you to think about those things that right now, maybe right now you've never had a relationship with God. God is on the other side of that curtain from you. Maybe you've been following God, but you feel like God is on the other side of that curtain. Your relationship's not fresh, it's cold. As you hold that right now, I want you to think and remember that with his last breath, he destroyed that barrier. And here's what I want you to do. If you really want to be on that other side of that curtain, you want to be in the presence of God, I want you to take that piece of fabric and I want you to rip it in two. Destroy it. <laughs> Rip it up. Make it good for nothing. With his last breath, that is exactly what Jesus did for you. Tore that barrier between you and God. Now I want you to think about one more thing. I'd like you to try and put it back together right now. <laughs> you can't. Jesus destroyed the barrier between you and God with his very last breath. Bow your heads with me today. As we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I, I just want to ask you one thing just before we conclude the service. Maybe you're here today and you have never had a relationship with God. You don't know God. You're, you feel in a very literal sense, you feel like you're on the other side of the curtain from a relationship with God. The good news I have for you today is that Jesus destroyed, with his last breath, he destroyed the barrier between you and God if you will walk through the doorway. And that doorway is really simple. Jesus said if we believe in him, Confess with our mouth, we will be saved. We will come into his presence. Amen. If you're here this morning, I, I'd love, just before we conclude, I, I'd love just to be able to pray for you, pray with you. But if you're here today, everybody's heads bowed, eyes closed, just out of respect for the 
sanctity this moment. If you're here and you say, you know, Pastor Dave, I, I, I actually feel like I have no relationship with God. I don't feel like I have that relationship with God. Today, I want to step through that doorway. I want to receive Jesus into my life. I want God to be, God's presence to be in my life. Would you just, do me a favor, would you just slip up your hand right now so I can pray with you or for you? I'm not going to call you out, but I just want to have the opportunity to pray for you. If you want Jesus in your life today. There's also some of us here today that you might be saying, hey, you know what? My relationship with God, it feels very cold right now. I feel far from God. I've had a relationship with Him, but I feel far from God. I don't feel His presence. His sense of who He is is not there. I need to walk back into His presence today. I'd love to pray for you as well. Would you, if that's you today, and say, I feel away from God. I need to walk back in His presence. Would you slip up your hand real quick? Yes, yeah. There's hands all over the room this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Hey, let's stand together. With Jesus' last breath, he destroyed the barrier between you and God. And that is the truth. We're going to pray. Why don't you lift your hands up across the room and Father, right now, I pray in Jesus' name. God, for every person here that saying they don't feel God, they feel like they're away from God, feel distance from God. Lord, I ask right now by your Holy Spirit, you would come and you would come into their life again. Father, as they take the step of faith by acknowledging distance, they step through that doorway into your presence, that place that the barrier has forever been destroyed by Jesus. Lord, I thank you today for what you're doing and for each person's life. God, I pray that you would uh, just bring your sense of your spirit, even as we all sense it right now, personally, to each person right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Father, thank you that you sent Jesus. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross, but he rose again with power and authority. And God, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us today. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.